Hi, I'm Rochelle Jackson, and this is The Crime Couch. I'm an investigative journalist and true crime author, and I know who's who in the zoo, the crims, the cops, and the interesting individuals in between. So get comfy and join me here on The Crime Couch. It's going to be one heck of a journey. The Crime Couch is proudly sponsored by Bank Vic. Chris O'Connor is one of Australia's most experienced sexual crime investigators. The former Detective Senior Sergeant has been responsible for some of the country's highest profile cases involving serial murder, rape and abduction. These have included the murder and abduction of Carmen Chan, the murders involving Peter Dupas and the bombing of Russell Street headquarters. Chris is a qualified trainer and instructor in crime scene investigation and investigative interviewing. He's also a published author and runs an interview training and investigation consultancy called Strategic Questions. Welcome to The Crime Couch, Chris. Yes, hello, Rochelle. It's good to see you again. Chris, what toll does it take on investigators and detectives working on these very tough cases involving the sexual abuse, say, for example, of children? What toll does it take? And... Did this impact you at, at any stage? Uh, not that I'm aware of. I mean, others can probably judge that better than me, I suppose. But my motivation from the get-go was that I had a young family at the time. And in fact, I had a, my daughter was uh, grew up as I went through my early stages of uh, sexual crime investigation. So I had a reason to keep balanced. And that reason was to protect my own family first first and foremost, and other children. So consequently, I, I like to think that I never dwelt emotionally on my work other than what I needed to to get the job done. I always had outside uh, interests. Uh, also, uh, all of my friends, my closest friends, were my closest friends before I joined the police force. And I still had them and still have them. So a lot of my involvement wasn't with police after hours. It was with normal people. So as I said earlier, every individual has to deal with things as they see them. And that's and the way that I dealt with it was that I was fortunate, I think, that policing wasn't my total culture. It was a very important facet and a facet I loved dearly, but I was able to switch off. Some people can't. And again, it comes down to the individuals. Policing represents the community, as we often hear. It stands to reason that people who may have been victims of these crimes want to chase sex offenders. And my experience is that I, I have dealt with detectives who, who did have a, a history of, of assault and uh, who saw working in this area as, as, as a means of um, absolving them from, from their own horror, but couldn't, and wanted to physically retribute. And clearly, that's, that's not, that's, that's not uh, a prescription whatsoever in any manner, shape or form. Not because I disagree with somebody being assaulted, 
uh, an offender being assaulted. That's not what I do, as it turns out, but that's not the only issue. The, the key element here is that, and, and this applies to all investigations, we as police are the conduits of the investigation. We are not so much the voice of the victim, but the victim's representative initially. And it's not about us as individuals. It's about providing the most professional and useful and hopefully a positive resolution for the victim at the end of the day. And as I said, we are the conduit. We are not the cause, nor are we the judge. And as much as it sometimes cuts against your grain and you'd love to to uh, sort someone out, for whose purpose? And if it's solely for your purpose, then how selfish can you be? Then you look at the legal ramifications of uh, losing that evidence or any evidence that you gain as a consequence. How, how do you how do you go back to your victim and say, "Oh, you know, I'm sorry, I lost my head." You lost your head for heaven's sake. How many times do I have to be victimised? I don't need you making it worse. Talk to me about the Stranger Danger campaign in the 1990s. Do you think that worked? No. I, w- I will put a, a, a caveat on that. Uh, it was very well-intentioned at the time and it was reflective of what was known at the time in relation to child sexual assault. Bear in mind we're talking about the late 70s, early 80s, mid-80s and child sexual assault academia was in its relative infancies. So we didn't have much knowledge. We had a lot of knowledge about boiled lollies and raincoats. Well, that, that's the sort of stereotyping in yeah. the media. You know, this dodgy individual, generally male with an overcoat that hangs around children's playgrounds. Is that accurate? There is accuracy to it. I mean, it, its genesis is, is sound. However, we now know that statistically those sort of characters represent uh, single-figure percentages of the offending and invariably are intellectually challenged. Not always, but invariably challenged. What we do know is that, well, in answer to your question about stranger danger, so it it was well-intentioned of the time. However, it also unintentionally set about the motion that led to our helicopter parenting. From a very early time, certainly in my early days, in the early 90s when I was with um, Child Exploitation Squad, I conducted some research into 204 of our um, serial offenders, child molesters. Over 80% of those offenders offended against children known to them. And when I say known to them, invariably, either within the family or uh, associating with the children on a regular basis. Is that the biggest threat for children? Absolutely. Uh, sadly, the biggest threat is the one that you least expect. And this is why where you hear of uh, somebody being charged with child sexual assault, um, community associates are aghast. No way. Couldn't have happened. Not him. Not that person. No, he loves children. He, he's been working with children for years. He's been, you know, this and that. And, um, those are precisely the antecedents, sadly, 
of so many of our offenders. Not all, mm. but a large number. Mm. Uh, because if you look at the logic of um, the offending, the logic is that the offender needs access to the a victim. Mm. And if you have a predisposition for uh, a fantasy of sex with children, who were the most, the closest potential victims? Those that you have regular access, who trust you and that you can manipulate. And um, more importantly, well, that's not more important, equally, that you can use strategies and tactics to keep them quiet. And that's the key end game, keep the child quiet. Make the child think that they are responsible for what's occurred. Make them feel guilt. Tell them, if you tell mum and dad, I won't be their friend anymore. And your mum will cry. If you tell somebody what's happened, they won't believe you. They won't believe you because... They know how good I am. If you tell somebody what's happened to you, I'll hurt you. Now, rationalise that in the, the mind of a, you know, a five to fifteen year old. Put yourself back in that. Put yourself in that position. You're really not going to want to do anything. Mm. And the other problem is that sometimes victims are afraid of damage to the relationship with the offender, and, and that in itself uh, is used as a manipulation. So we can understand why people may not report it for 20 years, 30 years. And the immediate thought of, of balanced adults is, oh, well, it's, it didn't happen. They're, they're fantasising about it. They think it happened. They didn't happen. Bankvic was founded by police in 1974 to help members get a better deal on banking. Things are better today, but Bankvic's purpose is the same. To serve the police better than the other banks with great rates and personal service. With a branch inside Victoria Police Centre and mobile lenders visiting stations or available by appointment, they're available where and when it suits you. Bank Vic get police because they've been helping them with their banking for nearly 50 years. To find out more, go to bankvic.com.au slash the crime couch. Bank Vic is the trading name of Police Financial Services Limited, ABN 33087651661. Chris, if you suspect someone is a sex predator or you, you know, what do you advise? What advice would you give? It's a very difficult question because let's leave the moral issues to one side. The very clear community issues here are we live in a world that prescribes what we can and can't generally do, say, about somebody. It's, it's a difficult position to be in. 
my view is that, that you first and foremost have to consider the safety of the child. Is this child at risk, in your opinion? If you consider that they are at risk, you need to say, all right, what are my reasons for thinking this? Uh, and if you, if you genuinely believe that the child is at risk, then, in my view, you get their access to the child severed as best you can. In some cases, extreme cases, it may mean go to the local police and report it. Now, if you do that, you're going to have to make a statement. You're going to have to sign that statement and you're going to have to be prepared to back it up in a court. Um, or, depending on your relationship with uh, the child, you, you may be able to discuss without discussing. What do they do when they're with this person? Where does mm. this person take them? What does he give them, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, that is a dangerous ground to go in, but at the end of the day, we're talking about protecting a child from having potentially their future severed. And that's how, you know, I can't be more specific than that. And the law will always protect somebody who acts in good faith and can justify their behaviour. The other options is if you know the parents and you're in good terms with the parents and so forth, you might Don't talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. But the bottom dollar is you've got to do something, in the words of John Kennedy. You've got to do something. And sometimes it may end in the severance of a relationship. But no matter what, you've got to say to yourself first and foremost, the risk and the child, you're protecting a child. And you've just got to live with your decisions as an adult to protect that child. Chris, do you miss policing? You left as a detective senior sergeant. You've transitioned. You've got your own consultancy business now, strategic questions. How have you found the transition? Seamless, I suppose. We were talking earlier about smoking and I smoked for all of my adult life and uh, I coincidentally stopped smoking just before I retired and uh, I call myself a non-smoker today and I don't think about it other than when we talk about uh, not not smoking. And I've transitioned uh, relatively seamlessly uh, with the smoking and it's, it's a similar thing. I spent 36 years of my life in an occupation that I uh, don't think I, there was one day that I didn't want to go to work in that time. I left with 428 sick days on the books, for which I have no regret whatsoever. I was fortunate to meet so many people, both inside and outside the Victoria Police Force, who are fine examples of quality people and the reason why we all should have faith in human nature. I was able at a personal level to, in some small ways, sometimes, sometimes in larger ways, to improve the plight of certain individuals in our community. I was able to hopefully put away justifiable periods of time those who deserved that 
But more importantly, I was able to give hope to so many victims out there. Uh, sometimes that hope didn't follow through, for which that's saddening, and that's a, re a regret. But all in all, it's the transition has been s s seamless, and I'm doing now what I love doing in, in the police force, and that is uh, training, uh, investigating, and, uh, and as best I can, teaching people interviewing skills. So I'll, I'll sort of uh, probably change uniforms, maybe. <laughs> I wear thongs a lot more, well, thongs on my feet a lot more now than I ever have when I'm working, but um, that's probably the benefits of COVID and working at home. Well, Chris, it's been a real pleasure speaking to you today on The Crime Couch. Thank you very much. No, it was a pleasure to, to speak, uh, Rochelle, and uh, keep up the good work. Thanks for joining me. I'm Rochelle Jackson, and I look forward to your company next time on The Crime Couch. <laughs>